Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Hi there and welcome to the MVP cast from me Mark Woods. Thank you so much as always for joining us. Don't forget if you want to follow us on a daily basis on social media you can just search for MVP 24-7 on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. So let's talk numbers, let's talk stats. One of my favourite things when I'm you know, prepping for a comment you're just trying to find it a little bit more beyond the eye test of a game. There's an expert in this country. We'd like to call him the son of the late, great John Atkinson. He is the man who crunches numbers on a daily basis. He's got one of the very best websites. If you don't follow it, you absolutely should. should. It's daveowenbasketball.co.uk. He is the number man. Dave Owen, welcome to the MVP cast. Thank you very much. That's quite the intro. Thank you. Um, I mean, I love your site. And you know, it's absolutely invaluable to me, as I said, when I'm prepping or, or just, just trying to find out more. A little bit brass tacks here. I'm, yeah, you're a basketball fan, like we all are. Not all of us sort of basically create this gargantuan, I don't know what it is, an Excel sheet or database or whatever, just for the hell of it. Where, where did this interest come from? I think... <sighs> I just saw, as a, I was always an NBA fan, and I felt like, as an NBA fan, access to information, stats, analysis, it's all just there at your fingertips. Even if you're a casual fan, you can just come in and kind of get involved and see all that stuff. And then when I came into British basketball, you know, I wanted that. I, you know, I wanted to know who's the best. You know, That's what it kind of boils down to when you're looking at stats. You want to be able to kind of do some analysis. You know, if you're a geek, you want to do this kind of analysis to see you know, who's the best and get a, a view on that. And I found, felt like with British basketball, you just couldn't get access to the information to do that. Um, and also felt that in terms of coverage and content, it was very much focused on the American imports because you know they're the stars of the leagues, they're the guys putting up the numbers. So I wanted to create this platform that made access to information really, really easy in terms of always having up-to-date stats, uh, very easy to use, whether you're a stats geek or someone who's sort of fairly new to the game, just make it understandable, make it accessible. Um, and then obviously have the focus on the homegrown players, you know, the players that sort of I like, have that affinity to as, as British players that I felt like were sometimes, you know, a little bit overlooked, particularly in the sort of the BBL where you've got the five imports, you know, dual nationals taking up spots as well. So, yeah, I think I wanted the focus on the stats, but then to really narrow that down to the homegrown players as well. Because you're a database now. Um, I mean, the number keeps changing. What What's the number of players that you've got in there as of right now? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, let's see if it'll tell me right there. Um, just under 1,500 homegrown players that are currently active this season. And then on top of that, you've got all the kind of players from the past. So that's uh, seven. Oh, sorry, no, it's 1,500 in total, I think, that have active profiles. And those, and those yeah. stats and you know the career files you've got you know the current national team overseas players you know u.s colleges obviously the bbl wbbl nbl wnbl junior players um how easy is it i mean for those who have got mathematical brains how easy is it to get these random stats from you know 
there's some leagues which you can just download freely like the NBA there's other ones which are you know, a little bit more basic how complex is this science of pulling all these things together from different sources and therefore and at the end of it having this one formulaic database that covers everyone in the same manner yeah it's it's very challenging in terms of time management obviously this is entirely a free time project for me so I've tried to get a lot smarter and a lot more efficient as I've gone forward. Um, with the domestic leagues, you have the advantage of you can go to one web page and you have all the players listed and all their stats. So that's a pretty easy copy and paste with a little bit of reformatting. The problem lies with the overseas players and the college players because you can't go to one page that has all the British players playing in NCAA. That, that simply doesn't exist. So you have to individually look up every single player and copy and paste their stats. Um, so I'm working towards an uh, automation of that. So that will save me a boatload of time. But uh, I did it this Christmas while I had time off from work because that's the only time I can do it. Um, and went through all the college players and did a mass update. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that I the domestic stats I can keep up to date week to week because it's a fairly uh, quick process. But I always feel kind of bad that with college and overseas players, I can only do sort of periodic updates as and when I have a little bit more free time than usual, basically. And many hours, you know, quantify this, average week, outside, you know, school hall days, as I would call them, um, many hours a week do you spend on this? I'd say overall, in terms of everything related to Dave and basketball, it's a good 20 hours a week that I put in, on top of a 40-hour-a-week job, so <laughs> it's a lot. When was the last time you went to the pub? <laughs> you know what i'd have to say the last couple of years i've really focused on getting the balance right and really looking after my well-being so i've made some real strides on that on a personal level let's talk about stats because i you know things have really changed i'm sounding old here which i am increasingly but you know there's such change but you know what used to be you got your basic that you got your points you got your rebounds you're lucky you got assists and that was about it and then we had this explosion about 15 years ago, with, particularly with the NBA. And I remember going to explanatory seminars that the league would put on, when, usually when we're at All-Star Weekend, you know, where they would talk us through advanced stats. And you, know, and you start mm -hmm. to learn about you know, the concepts of offensive rating, defensive rating, you know, clever ways of assessing field goal, you know, true shooting, all those kind of things which you can delve into. And... The fascination that is is sometimes that you don't actually even sometimes have to see the player to really get an understanding of, of what they do, what their strengths and their weaknesses. And a big part of this, I think, for you has been to provide that that kind of analysis and insight for British basketballers. Yeah, that's certainly what I've tried to sort of recreate that that NBA level of information and analysis and, and try to apply it to British basketball as much as possible. Because um, I just think it, it's, it creates more conversation. You know, we, we need those kind of narratives and sort of talking heads and podcasts, you know, talking about the game. And the more information we have and the more analysis we have, you know, the more it, it creates that conversation and, and you get the debates about, you know, it, I think when we're talking about advanced stats, obviously the one that most people have become familiar with is efficiency. 
Mm. which is a really you know nice simple one number summary of all the other numbers so we're not talking about well is 11 points and eight rebounds better than 12 points and seven rebounds and, you know getting into that sort of level of almost pointless conversation <laughs> you know the efficiency stat is effective in what it does there's a couple of flaws with it but i think you know people understand what that means um and it takes away that sort of you know, twenty-point scorer on a team that's losing, and he's he's just taking a whole lot of shots because someone on his team has to, and the, the offense isn't very efficient. And you know, it takes into account all of those things. Where I've gone with efficiency is to the the next level with that, because I'd always hear these sort of NBA um, you know debate shows where they, they'd be talking about two MVP candidates, say, and you know, well, this guy's got better efficiency than this guy. Ah, yeah, but that guy's on a winning team and he's not, and they go back and forth on this. And I was like, well, there's surely a bit of maths that you could do to factor in the win percentage of the team and adjust the efficiency in accordance with that. So that's what I developed just to kind of solve that argument. Because I don't think that the guy on the winning team should just default to MVP. You know, if it's, I think Russell Westbrook won it one year because he triple-doubled, even though he's on like a 500 team. I think if if your individual performance still exceeds statistically the other guy, once you've factored in the win percentage, then that's your guy, I think. And it's just trying to put everyone on a kind of even scale, I think, is what I've always aimed to do. How tricky is that? Uh, I mean, we'll talk about the pros in a minute, but you're at junior level, and we've you know, we've got slightly differing junior competitions, or you know, even under 16, you know, you've got maybe someone like a Quinn Ellis, who was playing at you know, an underage level at, in Italy at under 16. You've got players who are playing in the... EABL in England, you've got some of the, the Scottish juniors in, in some contexts. You've got the players that have gone to high school in the US. That At that sort of level, obviously, the, the playing can to be different because coaches are developing players. It might not, most of the time it is about winning, but, you know, there might, there might be a little bit of variation in terms of giving players time to develop. What's the trick there? Because that's, you know, for a lot of talent scouts you know college recruiters or pro recruiters you know they're looking at your website and they're going they're mm-hmm. well is is this guy better than that guy and they're playing in two different places what's the the key there to having that objectivity when it's it's junior level but in different places yeah so that's the the sort of next evolution of my statistical analysis that is starting to come to fruition now in, in the, this kind of early stages of sort of coming into way that I can actually use it now and start to put stuff out there. So once you've kind of looked at efficiency, taking into account the win percentage of the team, the next stage for me was, okay, well, how do I compare people, as you say, at different levels? So I've got every competition, be it professional, college, junior, in the world placed into sort of tiers in terms of the the standard of of play at, at those levels. So this sort of, Dave Owen basketball score, if you like, that takes into account everything. It's taken into account your individual efficiency. It's taken into account your team's win percentage. It's taken into account the level, the tier that you play within. And then it's also going to take into account your age. So an under an 18-year-old playing in an under-19 competition is not the same as a 16-year-old playing in an under-19 competition. We wouldn't expect them to perform at the same level because you're playing two years young. So that 16-year-old will get a sort of boost to his score because he's playing two years young in the competition in the same way that a 21-year-old playing in the BBL would get an adjustment because for me at the senior pro level, we're not really expecting to see you perform at your sort of true potential level until post-25. Mm. Is that 
the same when you when you go further up the scale and you know for players that are mature how do, how do you get that intel that you know might compare i don't know you know a, a bbl which is you know is improving um against uh italy d2 or uh, you know as it mm-hmm. used to be france division three but it's probably now division two so you know pro b's is a scale or, or somewhere esoteric when ryan richards pops up in his latest country that in a league that none of us are really aware of and um, mm-hmm. what's what's your sort of source material there to go well that that leaves a 10 that's a seven that's a five or or whatever way you want to grade it yeah, so obviously this is the the aspect of the objectivity that is in fact subjective because of course you can't have a definitive um, answer to this. And I'm certainly not in a position as someone who's never played professional basketball or coached <laughs> professional basketball to have a credible opinion on this. You know, so it's it's essentially a whole lot of consultation, and then from talking to a bunch of different people and taking into account all of their sort of arguments for and against having as much of a consensus as I can from you know tr- you know trusted people that I know have got credible opinions on it has I mean this kind of stems from a conversation I had with someone about the BBL who was who was writing about it and was asking my opinion on it but as the score or whatever you give against the BBL changed in the four or five years that you've been doing this yeah, I believe I believe it's moved up a tier. Um, I think if I'd done this, but certainly when I first got involved in British basketball, which was sort of the 2014, 2015 mm. season, I think it certainly would have been in a, a, the tier below where I've got it placed now. And I think probably pretty recently has made that jump. I think I'd say probably only since maybe last season, this season, it seems to be a significant um, jump and you know you're looking at things like the quality of the imports and, mm. and stuff like that you know where where are where are the players coming from that are playing in the league where do they go after our league you know it's a lot of the migration sort of tells you the key but then you've also got to look at the role within that which is the other factor that, that we'll come to when we talk about the ratings and how we get from score to rating because i remember you know fiba for a long time produced a migration report each year it, yes you know, it yeah. was a bit of a you know, as you said it's a bit of a sort of well map of who's gone where and who's who's switching to which league in in within europe now i mean you know it used to be quite the bbl but you know it was unfavorable you'd be compared to a luxembourg or you know what some of the the smaller leagues what's your nearest level in the sort of banding of of leagues in europe for for our league yeah, so some of the, the leagues that sit in the what I call the Pro Plus tier would be sort of second division Germany, second division Italy, second division Spain, first division Holland, those kind of leagues uh, we consider comparable to the BBL. Which is quite a leap if you're taking a second division Spain. I mean, that's, mm, that, that's for a long I mean, while, it's probably the second or third best league in Europe. Yeah, there's 21 leagues in, in the same tier as the BBL, and obviously the ones towards the top of, of that group are almost in the next tier of elite and obviously the ones at the bottom are nearly in the other one you know those those are the debatable ones i feel like bbl fits quite comfortably in that tier now uh, but yeah spain second is certainly one that's debatable i've had pretty conflicting opinions on that one so it's difficult to have a consensus mm. um italy second seems to sit quite comfortably with bbl as things stand i think holland yeah that sits about right germany second probably yeah but yeah, obviously, you know, as I say, all of these are, are debatable. There's, there's no uh, way to absolutely quantify it. So you move it, it's certainly moving in the right direction. When you, when you compare, you know, 
the BBL side. So we'll talk about that and then we'll look at some of the overseas ones. But, you know, BBL, WBBL. Um, obviously, there's this great, for those who don't, there's this great database. Uh, and when I say great, it is phenomenal. It's, it's called Synergy. And there's a couple of different yeah, other, other statistical programs are available. But if you go on there, it not only does it have clips and games of every single league known to mankind, but it has the stats and the advanced stats and every single statistical breakdown you could possibly want. It is phenomenal. Is is the basketball geeks dreamland, and you know we don't see this as much. I mean, the NBA you can go to nba.com/stats, you get the full works. It's all there. Um, how do you? get that i mean you know i find it sometimes difficult you know a lot of it scrolled away in the great dan rightledge's laptop um yeah. but yeah how, how do you get these stats or, or find ways to generate this that you get insights in the bbl that mere mortals can't get yeah i mean I say i've got access to the same stats as everybody else uh it's just kind of what i do with them in terms of you know it's all my own formulas it's all my own kind of algorithms and um analysis so i don't use anything like synergy or anything like that um certainly if i wanted to look deep into an individual player if i was a recruiter say or scouting opposition I'd, I'd certainly go to town on synergy i think there's some you know really exciting data on there uh, I guess from my perspective, the, the one thing that's really interesting about things like Synergy and the one thing I think we've never really solved in basketball is whenever we're looking at anything statistically, it tells me nothing about what you are as a player defensively. Mm. You know, I don't I don't buy the sort of defensive rebound steals and blocks represent, you know, good defense. Sometimes you can be a freak athlete and get a bunch of steals, blocks and rebounds would be a terrible man individual and team defender you just don't have some of the iq or the understanding of the system or whatever else or the commitment to that end of the, of the game so that's always the one that i'm very very conscious is, is a big big gap um, particularly in the recruitment market that you know stats can't tell you who's a good defender so synergy does a bit of that you know certainly the nba is trying to do it but i've never personally seen anything that you know when you look at the numbers and you look at you know subjectively what you're seeing with your own eyes they never seem to quite match um so yeah i still think that's something basketball needs to solve somehow i think the one that's been the most interest to me that i've seen over the years is i think you can look at the difference in field goal percentage of all the opponents that that player's guarded mm. if, if you've seen that one before now that that's quite an intriguing one uh, it's, I think it's based on sort of proximity. If you're the nearest player to the player that takes a shot, you count as his defender for that play. But the, the advantage the NBA have, obviously, is there's tracking cameras, and there's a lot more of yeah. it. And there's, they've got you know chip cameras sometimes, and you know to to to, to gather some of that. Um, how much do you think the a league like the BBL and to us even the ACB, which you know has has good stats, but it's not they're not NBA level would benefit from this and we talk there's so much in the talk at the moment about improving consumer experience and user experience i mean for you as a, as a fan first and foremost how do you use this if you're you're watching a game you know maybe in sky on a friday night and you've got your database how does this complement and enhance and turbocharge your viewing of of a game and what's the ways that you use it 
Um, for me, primarily, it's deciding which games I want to watch. So I'm going to look at the stats in the BBL every season because obviously the rosters are very different. Um, you know, with the NBA, I kind of know who's going to be like move around teams, but I know the vast majority of the players because obviously they stay in the league uh, for a long time, and all, you know all the stars are the stars. They're not going to go any higher because the NBA is the top level. Uh, whereas obviously BBL, with your you know MVP top top player, that is the likelihood you're going to move on to another league and get some more money. Um, so for me, it's identifying as early as possible, well, who are going to be the top British players this year and let's make sure I make some time to watch those games so I can match what the stats are telling me to my own eye test and get a feel for, you know, their playing style and whether I like their game and, you know, maybe they can play at a different level, maybe going to make the next GB squad, you know, that's the kind of stuff that excites me. But I kind of use the stats as a almost like a short list of who I want to watch, as opposed to you know picking a random game or watching a team that the majority plays imports, which wouldn't be of too much interest to me personally. How would you go about? I mean, this is slightly you know, off off your database, but how, how do you go about maybe even just for fun comparing Sam Decker NBA against Sam Decker BBL? Is that possible in terms of stats? Yeah, so if we touch on my rating system later on, that gives us the ability to see what their rating is for every season of their career and how that rating evolves. Obviously, the higher level you play, the easier it is to get a higher rating because you know the threshold is almost lower because it recognises the level that you're playing at. But at the same time, if you you know absolutely um, dominate you know a lower league then you know your numbers and your win percentage is likely to be very high as well so it gives everyone the opportunity to reach the highest star rating they possibly can um, based on the sort of performance tiers as I call them which we'll touch on so let's look at sort of our, our overseas contingent because um, you do a lot of it's amazing work and I, you know credit to you for, for tracking a lot of these players I mean some of them you know, who haven't even really even been in the radar in this country and you've you've got them there so mm. we're, we're midway through the season more or less at this point in time explain the system that you've got to to track those rank those you know male and female as well we should we should underline yeah. um to, to to compare and, and to record and to to kind of really follow the careers of these young talents yeah, I mean, that that's the hardest task of my database is figuring out where everyone is um, at the start <laughs> of the season and trying to keep up with all the, the off-season movements. Obviously, we're not just talking the domestic leagues where you're going to get a whole new influx of imports that I've got to create a brand new profile for because they've not been in the game in this country before. Um, and then, you know, all the young players who might be going to college, maybe going to high school, trying to keep on top of where everyone is is a gigantic challenge that eats up a whole lot of my summer um but once i've got everyone placed then obviously it's just the case of uh, keeping on top of the stats and getting those stats updates in um for the so the website is always current and then sort of in the background turning those stats into my sort of uh, custom evaluation so i then know essentially it's kind of identifying who deserves the content and the coverage is is what i've always strived to do because you can't cover everyone you know i can't be spending every night being awake till one in the morning trying to cover every single player uh, just to be nice you know it's, it's the case of you know who are the top players that really deserve that coverage and recognition and i feel like it's so important for the overseas and college players as well because if you think about what british basketball twitter looks like 
we can probably name five Twitter uh, platforms that cover the BBL, um, you know, WBBL, NBL, the domestic leagues. There's a lot of coverage and content around. But when you start to think outside of that and who covers overseas and college, you're pretty much talking hoops fix and me, I think. Probably mm. BBL fix does a little bit as well. But they're just they're not in front of us, so it's, it's not as easy to cover them. Sometimes you feel like when you put in that stuff out there, there's not the same audience for it because I guess the majority of sort of casual basketball fans, if you like, as opposed to sort of British basketball community people who are heavily involved in the game and know everything that's going on. Talk about basketball fans, they're predominantly going to be a fan of a specific team and, you know, the league that that team plays in, they might follow a little bit. But you see sort of conversations sometimes when a GB squad is announced, they're like, well, why isn't this BBL player in, in the squad? And there's maybe not that understanding of the level that these players are playing at and, and what that means and that's what i strive to try and sort of tackle with the star racing system that okay 10 points and five rebounds in the top division in france might not sound very sexy but once you appreciate the level of that and it's a star rating so you can clearly say oh he's a four star as this bbl player is only a three star it might help that sort of education of the british basketball sort of fan base so well, here we are at this point of the year. I mean, let's look at the pros. Let's let's start, start with males. I mean, we have guys playing in good leagues. We've got Miles Hessen playing in, in, in Japan. We've got guys in you know, Germany or you know, in, in Spain. Um, where, where's our top guys and how do you how do you decide with the system? That's that's my the top of the charts. Yeah, so they, they get a sort of DOB score, Dave mm-hmm. Basketball score, um, and then based on that score, the score sits within a range, and then the range relates to a star rating dependent on the level of basketball they're playing at. So it's quite complex. Well, it's not quite complex. It's very, very complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of math that, that goes into it. But what it produces at the end of it is a, is a, a star rating that, everyone can sort of understand if they, if they see the sort of matrix that shows what it relates to because the key thing for me is okay so we know the standard of the competition you're playing from the competition tiers but then the sort of breakthrough that i had is understanding that within any league there's i've identified six what i call performance tiers within that and that's almost your role within the league so not your role on your specific team because every team has what they might call a star doesn't mean they're mm. a star in terms of the overall league if that if that makes sense um so sort of how i defined it is you've got superstars you've got stars you've got standouts and then you've got performers contributors and non-contributors so essentially every tier of basketball has those six performance tiers within it and then there's a score range that relates to those so it's probably hard for people to understand without a kind of visual representation to be honest mm-hmm. with you it's not the easiest thing to explain with words um but it's proven to be very very effective um i've done several sort of subjective versus objective tests where i'll get a sort of credible coach on a zoom call and say right you tell me a player that you know inside out I'll show them the the ratings and what those ratings mean in terms of levels and performance and say, okay, what rating do you think they are subjectively? Okay. And then we'll look at every season of their career and every season will have a rating and then we see how they compare. And it's been basically spot on every single time. So I'm becoming pretty confident in, you know, the credibility of an automated, purely mass based rating. 
question, who, who are shining stars? When you, you stand back from the names and you look at performances, um, when you're going through this, who, who's the guys that are repping UK ball overseas at, you know, the, in a big way? So Gabe Odeseni is um, the real kind of standout guy this season. So in terms of his performances in Europe in the Basketball Champions League, he comes out as a five-star, which is obviously pretty rare air for British players. Um, and to put that into context, a, a five-star player, if you just give me two seconds to make sure I'm being accurate here. So a five-star would be on my matrix would say that they could be a performer in the euro league mm -hmm. uh which could mean they could also be a non-contributor in the nba so they could get an nba contract but they wouldn't likely be a contributor um and then they would also be a euro cup or champions league standout which is exactly what gabe is this season so mm -hmm. he's earned that five star by way of his performances there but obviously if you're a standout at a level that suggests that you know you could step up and be a performer at the next level and you know maybe contributor at the next level after that if the next level isn't the nba uh which is a little bit of a bigger jump i mean gabe's obviously someone we all know um you looked on some of the players who are playing overseas i mean if you, i'm just looking at your list if you had not come across before is there someone there that we've all kind of overlooked maybe our name that you know overseas quietly and they're somewhere maybe not on the beaten track that are is doing something quite interesting um i think i mean if we just look at the kind of players that are playing in europe this season probably dean williams is the name that's probably uh a little bit overlooked i think he's playing um, he's in had... germany and but was born yep. which is you know it's a great club yeah yeah so he's doing he's he's I'd say he's probably a contributor in terms of sort of his role with the team. You know, he's playing sort of 15 minutes a game. He stepped up, you know, to very high level basketball. Um, he's shown that he can contribute at that level. But, you know, the interesting thing with the way I define those sort of performance tiers, roles, whatever you want to call them, is it kind of highlights the decision making that goes into professional basketball. So you can say, okay, I could be a performer at this level. So I know I'm going to have, you know, a good role. I'm going to be playing basketball. I'm going to be heavily involved. You know, I'm performing at the level I should be. So I'm going to be earning decent money. But the decision making comes in as, well, do I want to step up a tier where I'm going to drop from performer to contributor? So I'm going to play a little less basketball, but probably earn a little bit more money because I've moved up. Or maybe I want to drop down a level and move from performer to standout. So now I'm getting a bit more sort of coverage, exposure. You know, my ego feels good because I'm one of the better players in the league. <laughs> but maybe I'm earning a little bit less money because, again, I stepped down a tier. So when you put it into that context, it's quite an insight into, you know, the, when you've got several contract offers, you know, the decision making that goes into it. With the women, I mean, the, the name we always kind of look at is Temi Fabenley is playing this year for, for Prague. Um is she your standout woman or is there someone else there that's that's really shining? Uh, Temi's a tricky one this season because she's had a split year. So mm. her sort of sample size hasn't hit my minimum yet. Um, but I don't think we need to look at numbers to know how good Temi is. <laughs> she's at that stage of her career where she's beyond proven. Um, you know, we can look at the history of her career and, and see the sort of numbers that she's put up and indeed the ratings that she's had. Um, but yeah, as soon as she sort of hit that um, threshold, then I think we know we're going to see some pretty good numbers. I've just glanced at her sort of ratings over her career overseas, and there's a whole lot of five stars in there, uh, which would be to the surprise of no one. 
What about the women that we've got in college in the States? Because you know, there's 60 of them that you've got listed. Um, again, some names I've not come across, some names that you know, we've, we've got big hopes for. Um, mm-hmm. Who's, you know, and it's such a diverse group because you've got you know, Division One, you've got Division Two, you've got Duke Junior College, you've got NAIA, which you know, is, is a bit random at times in terms of the quality of it. I mean, it must be a mm-hmm. nightmare to try and compare some of those. Yeah, yeah, I had a, a name you'll probably be familiar with. Billy Mims was uh, extremely helpful in uh, looking through the conferences of American basketball and uh, understanding how I can place these into tiers. And it's it's something that has been really interesting actually because I feel like there's a lot of people that just immediately overlook Division Two and say, "Well, it's not Division One, so I won't recruit from there." But I think what this rating system highlights is that. You know, if you essentially outperform that level, then that puts you on a par with Division One um, players. Particularly, you know, a high Division Two conference is the same as a low Division One conference. I place them in the same tier because you know they're comparable. Um, so I'm hoping that this rating system can shine a light on players that maybe play in a, a little lower level. But as soon as you start looking at ratings and say, "Well, here's a list of every four-star rated player in college." If there's a couple of D2 names on there, you know, a recruiter is worth a look, isn't it? You, you know, you wouldn't dismiss them. You'd have a quick look at them and then maybe opens the door for some players to get opportunities they wouldn't normally wouldn't. And pick one out. Who's, who's again, flying the flag amongst the women for us this year? So th- th- there's a very clear standout in terms of women in college basketball. Savannah Wilkinson is projecting uh, with the, the college players. Obviously, they're not, you know, pros past the age of 25. So it's more of a projected ceiling. So the the level we think, well, the rating and the level we think they could reach uh, sort of post-25. Um, obviously, with college now, with COVID and extra super senior years and red shirts and everything, sometimes you're 25 when you leave college seemingly now. <laughs> um, but yeah, Savannah Wilkinson's a, a four and a half star. Um, so that's a very high sort of ceiling to be comfortable with. So we, we hope to see her playing at some high level European. Yeah, Savannah, who this year is doing a, I guess we'd call it an extra year of uh, of college after graduating from Florida at the uh, Southern Methodist University. So, you know, fifth year effectively for her and she's 24. And, um, you know, Savannah's, I guess this will be it this year. She'll be into the pros finally next year and we'll hopefully get her back in Europe. Um, let's look at the men's ranks um, amongst the collegians. I mean, the game you know it's again so diverse so so very different depending on where where you're playing or or, or the league i mean it's like you know some conferences are strong some conferences are not so strong um i mean the, the player we're all kind of looking at is is cam hildreth and mm-hmm. you know, you've listed him slightly separately here as i don't know if this is this is your kind of superstar tier but you know division one high major because he's at wake forest mm-hmm. which is a great school um is 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 he as good as we hope he is? Okay, so what will be really interesting here, because I've done this rating system for the entire history of all British basketball players in college, so I can tell you his rating for this season, but then I can also tell you every other player that's achieved that sort of potential ceiling mm. from on their college career. Okay, so Cam is a five star player this uh, based on what he's done this season. Um, which, as I say, is extremely rare. And we'll have a quick look at the other players that reach that sort of criteria. And we look and at Cam Stassel's when you're looking at there this year, you know, 12, 12 points per game, which you know, is huge. You know, six rebounds, 
um, killing it, you know, quite frankly. Yes, and I think you'll have heard of the names that have achieved five-star status or higher. Steve Bucknell, mm. John Amici, Robert Archibald, Lou Ardeng, Cavell Bigby Williams. So very so when you're thinking about group. what those, yeah. So when you think about what those players did and what Cam can potentially do, it's you know it's it's super exciting to, to see a five-star player um, currently playing in college. And bearing in mind he's only a sophomore as well, so you know what he could be doing in senior year, you know, unless you know maybe goes into the draft early. Who knows? What what about the other guys? I mean, some of them, you know, people like you know Tosin Vauban at Princeton. Yes. You know, again, so we saw him in London just before Christmas. You know, a player people are, are raving about. Um, there's a few other guys like that are you know coming towards the end of their careers and have you know had nice solid collegiate careers. Is how who's our kind of unsung heroes that we we should be looking at? Yeah, as I say, you've got some other players that are very highly rated. Dan Aiken is one. Uh, straight away, Tosan, you've mentioned uh, Matt Marsh, Cam's uh, teammate at Wake Forest, uh, Amari Williams. So those are all your D1 mm. kids. But I think it's really important to shine a light on three names in Division Two that you say might be overlooked a little bit. Being in Division Two, Sessan Russell especially is a special, special talent. Um, he's earned a four and a half star rating from Division Two, um, and his his DOB score is the highest range that you can do so the, the way the scoring ranges work because it's based on efficiency and win percentage predominantly it's the same scale no matter what level of basketball you, you're playing at because obviously your efficiency and win percentage are the same whether it's junior senior or whatever it's the same scale so his score is something i'm not used to seeing basically um it, it's pretty special um and I'm hoping that the fact that he played D2 doesn't mean people sleep on him and he gets the sort of opportunity that he should do once he leaves college uh, in the summer. Yeah, one of Billy Mims's Florida Tech contingent, and he's yes. always nudging me about you know, these these performances, and you know, it's impressive to see. Um, with with some of these players, I mean, you, you, you'll track them and you see them and you, you go through, and obviously some of them you'll see in EABL or MBL as they're, as they're coming through. Mm-hmm. Do you... Do you normally, and this is a you know, big picture one, do you sense that when guys leave here, having played juniors in the UK and then they go straight to college, so like, you know, let's excuse the ones that go to, to high school, that yeah. they stay on a similar trajectory that we're expecting or you know, do they dip off? And what, what's our sort of, I know you're not comparing this maybe against you know, other countries, but what's what's that trajectory like does it generally go as you'd expect is it straight line or do do we send guys to the states who struggle or overachieve yeah it's, it's definitely a mixed bag i think to me i look at uh, i take away all the stats and i say okay let's think about talent identification you know were they selected for gb you know, Hoops Fix, All-Star Classic, Den Camp, when that was running. You know, have they got anything on their sort of CV, if you like, um, that identifies them as clearly being amongst the better junior players in, in the country? Um, so that's that's not looking at stats. You know, that's a fairly easy way to identify uh, a talent. And generally speaking, the players that sort of hit those marks and get those selections tend to be, you know, reasonably successful. Um 
where you sometimes see players struggle is the ones that are not sort of within that talent identification one, but may you put up really big numbers in junior. Um, and then, you know, it's difficult, isn't it, to explain to, to a young player that just because you're putting up really good numbers in a junior competition doesn't necessarily mean that's going to translate to the next level. You know, if you're not also playing men's division one, men's division two, and also, you know, standing out at that level and putting up good numbers, then it, it might be difficult for you at the next level. How do you find the, I guess, the appreciation? Guys like me appreciate you. We really do. Um, the players, do you, do you get the players, you know, getting in touch, you know, maybe even hitting you up and saying, oh, I've, I've had a big game. Can you update your stats on me? I mean, do you, do you, do you feel that, you know, people are within the game or, or noticing this, get you deservedly noticing this? It's, it's always been very, very difficult to gauge the impact of what I do. Um, the one that I've mentioned on the podcast before, uh, because it will always stay in my mind, is you know Caleb Fuller. Mm-hmm. Remember that name? So he he came through the Ipswich program um, and then went on to play Division One. He's in his senior year, do, you know, doing really well at Montana State with uh, Chris Haslam and the gang there. Um, when he sort of signed his scholarship offer, he sent me a, a private message um, just saying, <clears throat> you know, basically the fact that he had used his profile on my website as a link to send to all the coaches that he was emailing because he knew the stats would always be up to date and he wouldn't have to constantly, you know, send a new email with the latest stats and everything like that. So he used used it as a really sort of valuable resource. Um, it helped him get recruited and he was very grateful for that. So that was a real sort of moment for me that it's like, oh, I actually did have, you know, a part to play in a kid's uh, recruitment to a Division One school. You know, that, that was a really big moment for me. Um, generally when I'm, I have to contact a lot of players to basically say, where are you playing this year? You know, if I can't find out online, sometimes I have to ask. Uh, sometimes I need to know, you know, if they've changed their agent, they've got any new highlights, all the sort of variables, if you like, in the database. Generally, when I'm speaking to people and asking them, they'll, they'll take that opportunity to sort of show their appreciation for what I do. So, yeah, it, it's a funny one. There's certainly moments when, you know, I've put in you know, 20 hours in a week and I think, is this making a difference? You know, should I be investing my time in this um, and sort of probably overstretching myself a little bit in terms of everything I fit into my week? Do you, do you see the next evolution in this of, of at some point, let, let's, let's, let's throw some of Let's say the riches of 777 wanted to create a director of stats for the, the, the BBL and the, you know, they had a million pound budget hanging there waiting for you in the office what what's the next stage in this evolution um i think the the racing system that i developed that's sort of what i'm seeing is my ticket to maybe make a real difference in basketball and bring in the kind of money where i can sort of live a a nice lifestyle but then also give money back to british basketball and look at investing to to raise the game up because i think I always talk about the kind of um, ecosystem of British basketball in that if we put it in really simplistic terms, effectively the money that comes into British basketball is fans paying to watch basketball, right? If we're putting it in its most simplistic terms and ignoring all the sort of government funding aspect and all that kind of side of things, we're just talking about the ecosystem in terms of clubs and leagues. Effectively, fans pay to watch basketball. Now, the majority of that money is going to go on imports because that's the nature of our leagues, you know, the nature of leagues in Europe. It's not, we're not alone in that. You know, the Americans are the stars. They, they come in and they get the money. 
but the majority of them are not going to stay in the BBL. They're, they're going to move on. So it's almost like if the majority of the money coming in is going to go straight back out, are we just going to be in this sort of constant circle where, where we never really move forward? And obviously, 777, the money that's coming in there is a game changer in terms of changing the infrastructure um, and improving the levels. But what I'm hoping for with the rating system is that I can sell this rating service outside of the UK. So all of the pro teams and college teams that want to recruit talent, they've got an objective rating system to help them produce a sort of instant shortlist and then your team. I'm not suggesting anyone would ever commit to a professional contract or scholarship based purely on numbers, but it gives you a shortlist to then do your subjective assessment. Um, and it saves you, you know, wasting time on players that are maybe not at the level, but you having to put all that time watching and researching because the only way you can find that out is by, you know, putting that time in. So it, it's basically a time saver and a sort of automated shortlist, if you like. If you know the level you're looking at, you can say, okay, Dave, I need three and a half star player forwards shoots over 40 percent from three and i can say okay cool here's like 70 players that fit that criteria you can narrow it down from there well it is an amazing database it is an amazing job that you do um i hope you get rich for it we all we all hope you get rich for it. but then we all hope we get rich and we've we've been disappointed so far but you know there's always hope um you can find dave's website i highly recommend it daveowenbasketball.co.uk um keep doing what you're doing dave Thank you so much for it. And um, thanks for joining us on the MVP cast. Yeah, appreciate the opportunity to speak about what I do. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Dave. That is it for this edition. Don't forget you can get all our previous editions via your preferred podcast provider or you can go to mvp247.com. We've got lots of them there. Or you can ask your smart device. Maybe you got one for Christmas. Ask it to play the MVP cast and you'll get it there. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, you can get me at Mark. Another edition of the podcast coming very, very soon. But for me, Mark Woods, thank you so much as always for tuning in. We'll see you again next time.